Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. Yes, it's been a year, but we're back <laughs> for a new episode of Doctor Who, the first in a year. It's the return of Doctor Mysterio, and I am Jason Snell, and I'm joined by these two fellow Flashcasters for this. Happy Christmas, David J. Lohr. Hello. Hello. It's it's We've been gone a long time, but now we're back. Now we're back. And James Thompson. Hello. <laughs> Uh, I love buttons and switches. Mm, they are the best. <laughs> so this is, is Doctor Who's take and Stephen Moffat's take on superheroes, sort of. Although it's not. I mean, superhero movies are big now, but this is much more of a take on on uh, sort of Christopher Reeve Superman sort of thing, I think, than anything else. Um, uh, and we get to see. I, I have to admit, I uh, I was worried about this one. <laughs> I was really worried about this one because it's. First off, it's Doctor Who Does America. That often does not go well. Mm, this is true. And then second, it's uh, the su- whole superhero thing. I was concerned was going to be very, you know, kind of broad and Batman-y. And I, I'm not, I, you know, like original Batman, like 60s Batman, Adam right. West Batman. And I, I, guess I, I wasn't sure. Campy, exactly. Campy Batman-y uh, superhero. And uh, I was, yeah, I was a little concerned in the clips uh, that they had run out in front of this didn't really give me a lot of uh a lot of uh positive hopes going into it so i was a little concerned as a capper to my watching all of the doctor who's uh, christmas specials in the last week <laughs> that this would be a, a a bit of a letdown but i wasn't let down by it i enjoyed it a great deal actually i was i i was pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoyed it uh so let's get that out of the way uh, off the bat like initially how, how did you find it james how did you find it overall um, I, I find it fine. I've watched it twice, uh, with the, the benefit of having a few extra hours here. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was traditionally slight as the, the Christmas specials tend to be. I mean, uh, not, nothing too dark because it's, you know, aimed at the whole family. It's true. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I've seen, better Christmas specials. I've seen much worse Christmas specials. So, um, and, I mean, you've, you've seen them all recently, but yes. Uh, Thanks for bringing down the average end of time. Part one. Woohoo. <laughs> and hi, chip. Hi to chip. Hi, chip. Yeah. And the doctor, the widow in the wardrobe too. Not a, not a great one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think the, you know, clearly superheroes are in, and, yes, clearly. uh, or, or at least were in, um, yeah, I, I, I think it was successful at what it did, even though it was doing it on doing superheroes on a, on a small budget. Yes. On a Doctor Who scale, for sure. David, what about you? I greatly enjoyed it. Um, I mean, Stephen Moffat first came across my radar writing farce. So mm-hmm. I know he does that well. And this had just enough, you know, it was, you know, all the, uh, uh, see, Lois doesn't know that Clark is Superman and, and then playing, you know, setting that up. It's, you know, Chekhov's Lois Lane and uh-huh. getting to play with that for the whole episode. Um, so that was lovely. And, and I, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Lucas, but I thought, uh, he was very well deployed here. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm amused to see where they, they go since I know he's on, several episodes in the upcoming series. Uh, and yeah, it 
was just fun. And I, I, I did kind of like that the plot let the doctor set it up for someone else to save at the very end, mm-hmm. which was a lovely touch. So I, I would put this, I know we've been sort of uh, hypothetically ranking all the Christmas specials. I'd put this in the top third, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I, I would. It's hard to say right after. I mean, sometimes my I, I'm right. far too generous on Christmas Day. Having been, I've been doing this long enough now. This is our, I'm gonna say seventh one of these, <laughs> um, <laughs> Christmas Day flashcasts. Uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, it's Christmas. You want to be generous and be like, oh, it was fun. And the fact is, James, you you said it exactly right, which is. A Doctor Who Christmas special is not serving the same purpose as a random Doctor Who episode during the year. It is for a broad audience, and you're not supposed to need a lot of catch-up, and you're not supposed to... Everybody's watching, so you want to make it, you know, rousing and fun and not dark and scary and uh, anything like that. Ideally, I I, I think that's the, the goal, is to keep it at that level. And so it's playing by a different rule book, but I really did... Um, I really did enjoy it. The split-screen conversation that happens about halfway through is not only a, a very funny bit of farce but also um i remember that it's a very similar uh very similar uh trick is used in a coupling series yes. four episode yes. so i had that I like I, I oh it's night lines I, I remember that episode <laughs> I, had I, the same I love coupling thought yeah I, I loved how uh they kind of bled over the lines so was that cool them. Which was a nice touch. Yeah, the doctor's uh, oh. ca- like little coat uh, kind of flaps over the white line at one point, at a couple points, and I thought that was really kind and of Grant, fun. He's leaning over it. I mean, I think he's totally outside the lines for most of his. Yeah, it's the um, you know uh, visual style that I think you know. Obviously, they played with a lot more on Sherlock, but I it creeps into Doctor Who more than it used to. Um, I noticed it on a couple of the uh, a couple of the Christmas specials that they that they've done that too, where they've kind of uh, uh, tried to add a little visual flash that maybe hadn't been there in the past. So they're, they're not, they don't push it as much as they do on Sherlock, but they, they definitely yeah. definitely do. Um, and I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I, the Amer- on the American side, I mean, uh, I I always am wary of Doctor Who doing America things because it's fun <laughs> to have Doctor Who happen in America, but it's also scary because they tend to use British actors who don't understand like Americanisms or the script has Britishisms <laughs> in it, and they do kind of a shaky accent, saying things uh, phrases Americans wouldn't say. Um, and I, 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 I'm like, oh, you know, every time I watch one of those, I, I get, uh, sort of, uh, I'm not offended. I'm just like embarrassed a little bit. Cringing. Yeah, a little bit. And I thought they acquitted themselves very well. I mean, it helps that they, yes. they cast Justin Chatwin, who is a Canadian actor, so he actually can do a North American accent as a Grant. Uh, but, you know, Charity Wakefield was fine. She, you could tell she wasn't an American, I, I would say. But I thought that I thought that they carried off with all the characters, with young Grant and all of that. I, I thought it was appreciably American-y. And the, the, the rooftop scene at the very beginning is impressive in that there's a New York cityscape out behind them the whole time they're on that rooftop and it looks pretty good i thought they did yeah. I, so visually as well as uh, in terms of the dialogue i think i think they did america uh, pretty well i mean the building has an american flag flying on it because uh <laughs> it's america i guess so you gotta you gotta signify it but i i, I thought they well, did a good job with that 
at the end of the the opening, they're hanging off the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, which you know how much how much superhero New York City can you get? Sure, that's true. The superhero references were fun. They made sure to sort of do a DC reference and a Marvel reference. He's looking at a DC comic. It looks like a John Byrne Superman. Um, I did wonder about that, whether they needed to actually get the rights for I, that sort of stuff, because they were showing comic panels. And- real comic panels from the from yeah. the Superman. I, I, I assume they did. Um but uh, I thought it was interesting that then they have a they have a whole uh, chat about Spider Man as they're walking up the staircase where he's you know bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> what what powers does he get? You know, hair falling out, radiation sickness, things like that. Do they hate him that they call him Spider Man? I thought that was all funny. But the Superman, I, I'm not. Also, uh, some comic nerd out there will probably, if not already by tomorrow, have on the internet exactly what those what uh, issue those panels are from. They may not even be from the same issue. They may have picked and chosen what to show. But certainly at least one of those panels was recognizably from from when John Byrne was doing Superman, which is a very specific, strange era of Superman. And, and I, I kind of I, I kind of hope it's from an issue that is highly valuable so that the, the, the idea that the he glasses drew glasses on, yeah. on, on Superman at one point is just going to horrify a whole subset of people going, oh, my God. I did think it was interesting that the doctor appeared to have absolutely no knowledge of the, you know, the basics of Superman or Spider-Man or all that, but yeah. could still say with great power comes great responsibility halfway <laughs> yeah. through the episode. Well, but he's that's, been, that's just a truism. He was reading right? up. Yes. He was reading up. His, well, I like, I like the, is the doctor a superhero or not? We are not strangers of the incomparable to debating whether things are superheroes or villains or whatever. Uh, I thought, I, I think to have the doctor, uh, participating in and commenting on superhero tropes is an awful lot of fun and the the idea that you know you can you put on the glasses and and uh suddenly it's a disguise which then of course grant uses uh as he's the ghost uh that that was fun um and i liked the way that grant refutes the doctor's logic where he's like uh, or, or you know he says he says everybody knows that Clark Kent is Superman. <laughs> the doctor's like, but Lois Lane doesn't know. <laughs> that was that was but all I, good. And and maybe this is head canon, or maybe it was just very subtle. I I did like that. And then the the whole thing of that this this uh, gem that gives him the power in the first place that it actually works to give you what you most desire. And so uh, when it's superpowers. Maybe one of those superpowers is the fact that when he takes off his glasses, he looks different enough, you know, because that's just that's one of the tropes. I I did think that the magical gem was some kind of D20 that he'd handed over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, so the the other thing I like about this is how does a doc how does a Doctor Who episode have a superhero in it? And the answer is because he's created by the Doctor accidentally in a very <laughs> Doctor Who way, which I feel like completely plays fair. And I have to give full credit to Stephen Moffat for doing that. Like, if yes. if it was just like oh, and there's a superhero, you'd be like what? But it's like no, the Doctor kind of blunders into making a superhero, and I I enjoy that. That that was a a, a funny touch. And he and you if you watch it back. He plays fair. You you know you you absolutely see him handle hand him the water. You absolutely see him hand him the gem and say take this. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's beautifully laid out. Yeah, mm-hmm. as yeah. as is the alliterative naming. Yes, yes. yes. It turns right. out when 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 we introduced are introduced to Lucy uh, Lucy Fletcher, I I thought to myself, well, that's interesting that they didn't have her be an LL. 
because all the people in comic books have double initials and it turns out that that she's going by her married name or she's going by her not married name her, but her her maiden name is Fletcher her, her married ma- name is Lombard yeah yeah so okay. she's actually she's actually Lucy Lombard after all and he that. was Grant Golden as well yes, yes. of course and, he was and did you catch the the Siegel and Schuster reference yes. early on yeah, yeah that was in- lovely Nice, nice tip of the cap to the creators of Superman. No, it was all that was all fun. Uh, Stephen Moffat obviously is well versed enough in this stuff that he can he can he can do that. But uh, you know, definitely it, it's kept at a uh, again a, a Christopher Reeve kind of tone, which I like because it's light and fun. Yes. It's great, great for Christmas Day. The scene where he breaks the glass and says, "Would you like me to call a glazier?" and all of that. It's like he's a square jawed <laughs> Boy Scout, and then he flies away with the with the pretty reporter from the from the news paper and that was all you know that's it's just it's fun and nice and 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 silly but on a on a christmas day i think it's the perfect kind of tone to set i did think uh, i did think that the music was also hinting at the john williams superman mm-hmm. theme every now and yes. again oh, yeah. yeah yeah i felt that too so um let's talk about uh well i mean we can talk about whatever we want i wanted to bring up since since david mentioned it earlier we, uh matt lucas is back as Nardole, and and we last saw him. It's something to keep in mind. Um, Lauren turned to me as we were watching this episode and said, um, "There are some references in here that are harder to get if you didn't like literally last night watch the Husbands of River Song, which you know mm. we we did, so we got all those references. <laughs> but it, it's funny that was the most recently produced episode of Doctor Who, even though it was a year ago. And so we met Nardole. Then he ends up as a head inside a giant red robot, and in this episode he's just back and in dialogue halfway through the doctor basically says you should be grateful that i put you back together because yes but but um but i thought he was i thought he was fun and i kind of liked that that he we just kind of join him in progress and that he's like i don't know the dynamic is different he's not the it, it, it wasn't it didn't feel like the usual companion dynamic it was much more of a maybe maybe sidekick to use a, a superhero expression or just you know he seemed more competent he could do things on the TARDIS but you know he was like his gopher his, his I mean like literally his assistant like he was he was pretty knowledgeable and could be could be like delegated to by the doctor I thought it was a funny kind of uh, kind of uh, relationship that they they had like sort of instantly in this episode yeah he's he's described the character as as being the doctor's valet yeah so yeah, he's, you know, we'll see how that works. He's an employee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you talked about references to the previous episode, and there was the the harmony shoal, and there was in the previous one there was the shoal of the winter harmony, and again people with uh, hmm. you know cuts across their faces, and I completely had forgotten yeah. all of that. Interesting. So, yeah, I so so what did you all think of the aliens? I I. I kind of liked how creepy they were but at the same time they really need a better place to store their guns it, it did seem storing them there you know misfiring of guns it could all go horribly wrong really yeah and, but and also, could... also their brains when they're in the jars their brains but then they put them in people's heads and then they can open the heads up and there are guns in them, but what about the brain? Wasn't there a brain in there? Is the yeah. brain opening up too? Is the brain somewhere else? I don't I know. Think 
brain kind of could absorb itself around the system and then come out again or something. I don't know. Because the implication Mm. was that it was their eyes which were behind the eye sockets. Oh, right. And I I I thought that was creepy. And I like that the brains... I liked how the brains looked in the jars, like brains with eyes and all of that. And that was kind of cool. And then, yeah, the cut, the kind of cut uh, on the head is a reference right back to Husbands of River Song. Uh, yeah, you don't need to know that. But, you know, it's the same look as all those uh, followers of King Hydroflax had uh, on, the, on that ship before it crashes. All the worst, you know, worst criminals that are on that ship, including all of those I did people. think it was... It was a bit obvious who had been taken over by the aliens. You yeah. know, you look for the people with the diagonal cut across their mm-hmm. face. So yeah. you would think Unit would be sort of looking for that. Um, well, in as the we moment, see later on, I, I my head cannon there, and I think maybe it's with the first character you don't notice it, or they may it may not be as visible. Is that like initially they can look pretty solid, but if it's if they're new, they haven't sort of they got to put on some makeup basically to cover it up, and if they're they yeah. they're fresh, then they look worse. And I, I did think the character of Dr. Sim, we had, you know, basically a sort of German Bond villain type baddie uh-huh. with the scar across his face. And I was wondering if that was a deliberate reference. Hmm. Uh, yeah, or or even a, even a Hans Gruber type. Yeah. Right? Uh, in all those tall you know, buildings. It is Christmas. It is Christmas. Mm-hmm. So you need that kind of uh, baddie. Yeah. I, I, think I, I think I agree. Yeah, I think the aliens were... I mean, what, one of the things I actually liked about it is that the doctor's complete dismissive attitude toward them, like, <laughs> like, oh, they've always got a plan. They go up to the spaceship and that's the moment. The, I, I would say the only real moment of tension I felt in the entire episode, which is fine because it doesn't need to do that, was when when they're making the move to, to basically uh, steal the ghost's body on Earth and the doctor and Nardole are up in the spaceship trying to figure out what their plan is. Uh, and so the doctor's not there to protect them and what's going to happen. But it is funny that he's like, yeah, yeah, they've always got a, a plan. The plans are pretty dumb. And then they say the plan and he figures out the plan. And he's like, oh, that's a good plan. Why don't we have plans that good? Uh, that was all great. That was all enjoyable. Um, I liked I liked that they had their, their kind of evil plan, but yet, again, not taken too seriously by the episode, not taken too seriously by the doctor. At the end, I thought it was a, f- a weird moment, like, that he basically leaves them there. Like, we, I don't even care about you. Unit's going to clean it up. I'm going to walk away. And then we see that, like, oh, but they're still out there. Maybe they'll return sometime. It's like, that's fine, but it does make the doctor seem a little bit too um, lax with his security to, like, leave the one guy just, like, laying on the rooftop when... When he's done at the end of the episode, it's like, that's a bad guy. Mm. You should probably like, you know, have somebody lock him up. But he's like, you know, but but again, I think it's sort of fitting to have the doctor just not care about them, that 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 <laughs> diminishes them in the in the story. And rightly so, because it's really not about them. You just need to have you need to have just enough sci-fi plot to drag along what you really want to do in this case being these kind of funny uh funny back and forths with the doctor and the ghost and nardole and lucy and all of that sort of thing because that's what the episode's really about the the thing sorry no go ahead go ahead i was just going to say the thing that got me uh, right at the start of the episode that i thought that doesn't seem particularly Doctor-like, is that he walks up the comic books onto the roof and then just sort of chucks them away onto the side of the roof. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing with this kid's comic books? You know, at least put them back somewhere. David? 
I, I was I was gonna say I loved um I loved the uh, scene where Lucy is interrogating the doctor and Oh the squeaky toy she's, the squeaky toy. She's <sighs> not torturing him, she's she's just driving him nuts with the sound of the squeaky toy. And I thought that was brilliant. I, that w- I did wonder if they're going to start selling those. Mm. Um, it was Mr. Huffle or something. <laughs> yeah. Another BBC worldwide product. <laughs> I, I, I really liked that scene. It was incredibly well done, especially the fact that the sque- squeezing in made the awful noise, but you also knew that then she would let it go and the awful noise would continue. <laughs> and it was like a, you know, yeah, it's basically a, you said it's an interrogation scene. It's like a torture scene, except the, to- the, the torture is the sound of the squeezy toy being squeezed and released. So, so funny. And then she gives it to him at the end and he puts it on the TARDIS console. That I really loved. It's like, maybe you need this. It's like, let's, yes, let's bring that with us. Maybe we'll see that guy again, too. That I would, I would take that. That would be, I like, that's sort of whimsical whimsical stuff that i actually really like when they use stuff like that in doctor who and that was a that was a good scene i'm you know lucy uh acquitted herself well i think in that i mean i there were moments where i had questions like the fact that they're um i think they're apparently in the same building that he grew up in because we see the flag outside in the joe's bar or whatever it is uh so they haven't he hasn't moved very far and he calls her mrs fletcher um, or Miss, Mrs. or is it Mrs. Fletcher, yeah, Mr. Was... Mrs. Lombard, which is weird because they've known each other since elementary school. So that seems unlikely that they would do that. I, but, that's that is know. purely to set up the, the yeah, oh, it's the same the same person, yeah. which is a little bit of a cheat. But also, L O M B A R D is always pronounced Lombard. And what's funny is that um, Peter Capaldi uh, pronounces it right. But Justin Chatwin pronounces it wrong. He says Lombard, <laughs> which is just it, it's That's very it, Canadian. <laughs> it's it, it's it's well. It reminds me of in in uh, in Dalek, right? Um, there the who's the bad guy? Um, uh, in Dalek, oh, yeah, what's his yeah, what's I'm... his name? Uh, oh no no. So so um, Anna Louise Plowman plays uh, plays uh, Van Strat Van Stratton, a sidekick who's Miss Goddard, and they're all speaking American English, and that's Goddard in American English, not Goddard, but yeah. uh, they don't pronounce it that way. Speaking of, that was, that was a Doctor Who episode where the American accents are bad, but uh, it, so that reminded me of it a little bit. It was the Canadian who said the name wrong. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> Peter Capaldi knows how to do it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, this is, it's just... It's it's fun. It's fun and entertaining, and it moved along. And like, I was very impressed with. I I almost feel like I can feel that Stephen Moffat hadn't written a Doctor Who in a little while because it felt dense with dense with jokes, dense with references, yes. dense with situations, and yeah, a little bit like he he wasn't he wasn't tired of it. Like he, he got a, he got a bit of a break before he had to write this episode. And so, um, it feels, it feels lively in a way that maybe, uh, maybe last season didn't necessarily. Cause I felt like he was really, you know, grinding when yeah. he was building last season. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved the husbands of river song and yeah. I wonder how much of a break he had between the series and that, because it, again, and I've and I've said that about previous years where there's been like this sort of weird schizophrenic Moffat 
even when he writes three episodes in a row and they'll be very, they'll be like totally different people wrote them. And, you know, there was such a, a nice break between the styles for, for last year. And now with this and, and yeah, this one was, was just so dense and he was, he was burning through plot like nobody's yeah. business in this. You could have, you, you could have done so much more with the little plot details, but it just kept going and it was fine. I, you know, I didn't mind that. I love that. I do think, I mean, my theory about about the Moffat writing thing is that there are three different kinds of Doctor Who episodes. There's the standard Doctor Who episode. There's the big season tentpole, whether it's the finale or the opener. And there's the Christmas special. And they're all different, and they all have different requirements, I think you could argue. Um, Certainly, I think that's how Stephen Moffat views it. And so, I don't... I don't generally love his big season tent poles so much, although right. I love the big season tent pole at the end of last season with the going, you know, with the the Peter Capaldi episode and then and then going back to Gallifrey. But um, but sometimes those are and they're harder to do because you, I think he puts pressure on himself to make them be a certain way. But this is a right. these are different rules, and you know, I have loved I loved last Christmas, I loved Christmas Carol, and and I really like this one. Uh, there, those you know, those other two are my top two Doctor Who Christmas specials, and this is yeah in the top you know four maybe somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four or I would, five. I would put it up there. I, you know, I want to, I want to watch it a couple more times before I, I judge it. So I don't know. I just, I, I, I thought, and you know, bringing up coupling as we, we all know, right. <laughs> it's like, I had the, I had a bunch of moments in this where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is, I, I'm seeing a lot of Stephen Moffat's powers at work here, like including some stuff that I had forgotten. He was, he was very good at, and you see it with the, with especially the, the stuff with the Grant and Lucy and the doctor in the in the uh, apartment and just zipping back and forth, you know, when he, he has to vanish and become grant and he vanishes and becomes the ghost. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, that is, that is know, just pure French sex farce. You know, the right? best, the best thing about that interrogation scene, I love the interrogation scene. Okay. The best thing is the squeaky toy. This, <laughs> I, I was laughing out loud to the shots of the ghost saving people from a burning building on the TV news in the background, yes. because you know that, you know, he zipped out to do all this and then the, we're going to need him back. And the doctor's just sitting there and looking at the TV as he saves all the people it's silent it's in the background you just see it they cut away a couple of times and that made me laugh out loud i just i thought that was delightful <laughs> it's like this there, life yeah, with there a superhero was a, there was a lot of lovely just silent moments and and like you know when he would be in when they'd be in the same room and he would look at grant and grant is going no no yes. don't say it <laughs> yeah and just a really nice chemistry there what did we think of the the general superhero outfit? I mean, because obviously they're doing this, as we said, on on a smaller budget. Yeah, it <laughs> it reminded me. Um, there's a, a this is a fairly obscure reference, but there's a Bollywood film called Krish, which is the Bollywood one of the Bollywood superhero films, and the 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 actor in that Rithik Roshan has a a very black face mask, and just visually it reminded me of that. But I thought that the costume wasn't bad. I mean, it was, you know, oh, yeah. uh, I didn't think it would sort of work on the big screen as much, but it it was fine. It needs to be superhero-y, uh, you know, like read as just this is a superhero, sort of generic superhero. And I think it did that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like, the, again, that you have the alliteration of his of his superhero name is also G. So he's got a big G on his chest. Uh-huh. And, um 
I th- yeah, I thought it I thought it matched up nicely to uh, certainly like the the DC TV series we've got here. Um, it matched up nicely to what we've seen of all the live action Tick shows. Right? You know, it's like this is yeah, that works. That works. It never took me out of it for any reason. And by having yeah. the uh, by having the little uh, face mask thing like a mr incredible kind of you know the ring around the face right. and that right that, you that just sort of pop that off lets quickly. you do the i'm batman gag which having recently watched the michael keaton batman it's the same gag basically which is except this time it's as the ghost and not as the person but you know he's taking off the thing to tell her and then doesn't get the chance it's very much like that 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 moment of like do i reveal do i not reveal and he's ready to do it and she gets she blows past him and because she's too <laughs> concerned about grant to give even a moment notice to the ghost at that point right when he's trying to reveal himself and then you know she looks back and he pops it back on and and in a, a funny cutaway where we don't see him and then he immediately in way too little time for him to put it back on it's back on because <laughs> that, and that's hilarious so so that that I, and I, it, it serves that purpose too i i loved the you know now would be a really good time to look up look up anytime yep. yeah he also he also had the sort of traditional Batman, slightly husky voice. Yeah, he, he did. was the superhero. He did that. He did the Christian Bale, I'm Batman, kind yeah. of thing for the for the ghost. I like that. I, they, and they did the, uh, do you eat? He's like, of course I eat. <laughs> it's like, that's all good. That's all fun. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fun stuff. What else? What else uh, is there here that, uh, that we haven't covered? Um, well, I mean, like I, mean, like I said, I, I liked the the creepiness of the aliens, and their their plan was just creepy enough. And I like that there's that hint that they'll come back because of the one unit guy at the very end, right? Who uh, has has the scar? Clearly. Unit, unit competent as ever. <laughs> I, I like the we had the sort of high school flashback bits as well, yes. which were a, a bit oh, yeah. sort of Spider Man-y sort of thing. Um, and the doctor, him, and we see that the doctor visited him. Yes. Yeah, didn't just completely abandon him. I mean, also because I mean, the doctor effectively instantly recognizes him when he sees the ghost. He just sort of goes Grant, yeah, um, <laughs> and then turns up at his house. Well, but, the, yeah. the 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 gem he ate is the ghost of whatever, right? I mean, it's very clearly. <laughs> When he hears that yeah. it's the ghost, he's like, "Well, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, it's 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 very clear." But I, I like that the, because of his X-ray vision, he's like sort of constantly looking at the floor. Yeah. Yes, I, I liked the practicality of you know what do you do when you have X-ray vision? Well, sometimes you can't control it. Yeah, and and in as subtle a way as possible, the. Um, adolescent boys and their desire to look at adolescent girls in this scenario uh where he he um can't help but levitate um Mm. i wonder if that's a reference to you know to some other anatomical anyway uh i'm I'm pretty sure i i that made me laugh that's like what is it what is a superhero uh, boy superhero do when he gets excited in puberty and the answer is he levitates that's what he does and he can't control it it just he just levitates on his own happy and, christmas and the, everyone <laughs> there was the line at the end where they were, they were talking about you know his adolescence had gone on you know too yeah. long and she says how long and he's like well i'll let you know <laughs> right yeah that's true when i and you know one of the nice details you know if you think about it superman is an alien 
Right. You know, how many, how many of our classic heroes are at least tangentially connected to aliens or, uh, you know, have mentors who are from other worlds. And so it was a nice touch to have, you know, I mean, aside from just accidentally creating him, but that he comes back every now and then. And that, you know, if, if we were reading the comic book adventures of the ghost, we would see this guy who shows up every now and then, uh, who is, you know, gives him some wisdom and helps him out and, you know, pushes him down when he starts levitating in the high school hallway. And yeah, the, uh, oh, I wanted to mention the, uh, Iron Man reference as well, whether I took it to be that, which is you, you get the genius scientist, uh, press conference in his glassy tower, uh, mm. where the, and the, and there's a nosy reporter asking him questions and all of that. And that's a, I mean, that's a trope that's been in a lot of things, but I felt that there was some, there, that was also a little bit of a, a kind of an Iron Man flavor in terms of recent movies where you, where you see something like that. And of course, Nardole is running around and then asks him where the little boy's room is, <laughs> which was weird. That was weird. If I wanted to rest, I'd cause an incident. <laughs> I, I like the uh, another line that comes to mind is uh, Peter Capaldi uh, when when the doctor uh, startles Lucy when they're trying to peek into the vault uh, where the brains are and he says that's okay I'm I'm an intruder, I'm an intruder too. too and he's eating his sushi I, and he's got sushi <laughs> I liked his sushi I also liked when he they were over in Tokyo I think it was and you know Yo. he causes a distraction he says oh I just flooded downstairs with Pokemon yeah ah <laughs> huh. So, you know, I thought it was fun and funny. And, and quite honestly, what more do you need for a, uh, a Christmas episode of Doctor Who? Really? And we, we had the, the sort of running through it. There was the, the 24 years references because, you know, the um, Grant had known Lucy for 24 years. And the doctor says, yeah, of course it would be 24 years. Because, mm. you know, this is the reference to the, the 24-year date that he had with river effectively right that's uh, one they, one of the things i was surprised they actually addressed directly because i thought that that after that episode that we'd just sort of see him again and we wouldn't really talk about it instead it is direct especially since nardole is there direct addressed directly which is you know we're seeing the doctor after he spent his 24 years with river song but at the end he still has to let her go to the library basically yeah and and we're seeing him after that and he he probably figures that that's the last time in his timeline that he'll see her although again time travel who knows you never know and i mean going back to uh my my uh being impressed with matt lucas i loved being able to see him play different notes and especially you know at the very end when he when he stops to explain okay here's why the doctor is kind of sad and I thought that was a lovely way of doing it. And then when Capaldi comes back in and he, and he just says very simply, everything ends and that's all right because it begins again. Mm. Be happy. And yeah, I thought that I was, was a great message for, you know, a Christmas episode. I did. Be happy. When they were saying that, I was thinking about Stephen Moffat's tenure on the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, good. But I, I did the, there was the line of, um, again, Nardle with sort of delivering these low key lines. And it was like, I know you miss her, but couldn't you just write a poem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Any thoughts, um, before we wrap it up, any thoughts about the next, uh, the next season trailer? We get a proper next season trailer. This is the first time in a while, I think, that Doctor Who has had a Christmas special that, uh, is being produced 
before the next season where we actually have footage of the next season to show already um that happened in the david Tennant era i'm not sure if it's happened since uh since the year when matt smith started but don't write in if it has but uh, it's been a while so uh any thoughts about that a lot of a lot of bill some more of nardole too yeah, it was the. I wasn't really expecting Matt Lucas at all to be in in this uh, next series. So seeing him sprinkled throughout episodes, and also with Bill there as well. So there was clearly there was going to be a you know a three way dynamic between between all of them, which I think could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean we got the sort of smattering. There was like sort of uh, flashes of like cute looking robot things and obviously lots of Daleks and uh, I didn't spot any other returning uh, monsters that I saw in, in the trailer. And it, it all looked interesting enough. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much in the way of dialogue. It was just sort of flashes. And then there was one sort of dialogue scene at the end. And about, we, well, we got her voiceover, right? So she's telling her story about becoming the doctor's companion instead. I'm trying to think if that was present on the trailer we got. Oh yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah, was it? it was on I was iPlayer. Clearly, I was... <laughs> Not that I know what's on iPlayer, but it was totally on iPlayer. Somebody, somebody told you afterwards that it was on. iPlayer. Yes, when That's when right. they recounted right. what was on iPlayer to me later. I think uh, I was probably just focused so much on the on the uh. actual visuals of staring and like like what is this one second shot of of this mean and so on. Yeah. Um, so so. So, per, uh, so, uh, what is it? Is it Pearl Mac? Is that her name? Mackie. Pearl Mackie. Her, um, her, her voiceover as Bill is like, I used to serve chips, but now I travel with the, 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 pro- oh, yes, yes, the professor right. or the, or the lecturer or whatever it is, but I call him Dr. What? And, uh, you know, and then, but, but she's sort of like, it's her POV of joining the, the show. I, I was thinking just flashed back also to Billy Piper, who was serving chips in the school reunion episode. Right. Yep. And, and there's a line where, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to get the second half of it wrong, but it's uh, where he says, uh, and once again, I'm going to save you all. And then you'll wonder where the hell I went. Something like that. You're going to spend the rest of your life wondering where I went. Yeah. That's That's it. That's it. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I, loved it i'm ready i mean i hate to have to wait a couple of months yeah i know it was it was that exciting but yeah and i i'm more excited for this series than i was for the last one as much as i enjoyed a lot of things in the last one i i didn't really enjoy everything being a two-parter i don't think every one of those needed to be a two-parter right so so i'm looking forward to just some really fun adventures yeah yeah, I mean, it would be nice that they are, if they do, if this is, you know, this is his last year and, you know, whether it's Peter Capaldi's last year, we don't know that. I think he's been sort of hinting that he might do another year. Um, but, you know, if it's the last, I'd like to see them, you know, mess around with the format a bit, do things yeah. slightly different, but it did, nothing s- stood out from that trailer i mean admittedly it's just cut together little flashes but nothing sort of screamed oh this is going to be a completely different season it, it did look like you know uh, more doctor who which is not a bad thing but yeah, yeah we'll see well uh, c- cautiously optimistic 
All right. Well, roll on to spring. We'll we'll be back for more Doctor Who flashcasts in less than a year this time. That'll be good. A whole year. Oh, thank goodness. I, I forgot how to do this, but now we're back. <laughs> so we'll be back again. Podcasting, how does it work? Well, uh, I thanks to everybody out there for listening to this Christmas edition of the Doctor Who Flashcast. And I would like to thank my guests, David Lore. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This, uh, this has become a fun, fun annual tradition. It's a fun tradition. And James Thompson, happy Boxing Day to you, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, I am now going to go to bed and... and <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, as the doctor said once, Nighty Night Shakespeare. And thanks to everybody out there again. Goodbye. Doctor Who Flashcast on the Incomparable.